With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and this evening I'm joined by JP Mason, Anthony Haggerty, and Colin Watt for what is a post-match reaction podcast to yet another outrageously bad performance and result by Celtic. We have just been beaten by the bottom of the league team, Ross County, for the second time this season, Anthony, and we've got to. We've got to take action. How many times do we have to watch this clueless managerial team uh, lead Celtic from one embarrassment to the next? Do you know what? Uh, see, if they don't do something about the manager tonight, the board of directors are being derelict in their duty. That's a that's that's not a that's a dressing room that's lost. This is a club that's lost at this moment in time. They're completely and utterly lost. We talked off air just before we came on that Gavin Strachan was given instructions to Lee Griffiths before he came on the park, and Lee Griffiths did not even look up and acknowledge him. And you said to me, what can Gavin Strachan possibly tell Lee Griffiths about scoring goals? And it's true. There's two managers there. One manager made three substitutions that could win the game because he knew he could win it, and it wasn't Neil Lennon. 
in the first in one of those substitutes that John Hughes put on, won the free kick for for the goal. Right, that's a man who sensed blood, you know. And Neil Lennon sat there with his feet up, impassive, and th- and you looked at him and you thought, you don't know what to do. You have run out of ideas. You're devoid of ideas, and you're past the angry stage now. Watching Celtics like the old Japanese game show endurance now. It's, it's endurance. It really is because you don't know what team's going to turn up, and then when they turn up like that, you just think. This is past the Tony Mowbray four 0 St Mirren moment. He's lost to Ross County twice. Ross County, who are bottom in the league and dumps out the League Cup at an early stage, right? Once is bad enough. Twice for Yogi showboating now. He's showboating against the Celtic now, and you think to yourself, right? Wait a minute. How much or what's it going to take? And there has to be action. You cannot limp on like this until the end of the season. And if the board are, are listening and they're doing, and and they think they know what they're doing, then he has to be relieved of his duty because it's the Celtic supporters that are suffering. You're right, Tony. We are suffering. And when you read the chairman's statement just the other week there, and he's talking about not making any hasty changes, this isn't a hasty change. This isn't a knee jerk. This isn't just a bad result. This season, has been an unmitigated disaster. And for Neil Lennon to try and sell the angle that it hasn't been is just embarrassing. Now, JP, it's driven you to drink by the looks of it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I might be surrounded by alcohol here, but uh, those were very sobering words from from Anthony Haggerty there. Um, I know I said before kick-off that there was a romantic part of me that would have liked Neil Lennon to be given an opportunity to wrestle the title back from the other side of the city where it is inevitably <laughs> going to be uh, and uh, and will be speeded up now after tonight but that part of me uh, it was gone uh, halfway through the second half was absolutely gone there was not not one part of me and like Tony said it's you're past the angry stage when Ryan Christie hit that shot over the bar um, where, he, where he was you know it was a decent shot and had a lot of power in it but ultimately went over the bar I didn't get that same feeling that I normally get when you miss a shot of, of in a game. You know, I, I, it, it was kind of like a resignation. It was kind of like, oh, oh well, there's another shot over the bar. It wasn't like, oh my god, that oh that should have been a goal. You know, it was no like I didn't get hit up by it. Um, but I just want to say uh, congratulations to, to Yogi uh, and to his management team and to Richie Britton, who I used to play five sides with on a Monday night uh, down at Bathgate Sports Centre. Um, I did <laughs> uh, so I want to say congratulations to them because you need to be humble in defeat and, and you know as much as I don't want to see Yogi's stock rising because of a victory over Celtic the champions the quadruple Sheb treble champions let's not forget that uh, I, I do I do um, I'm pleased for them No well said JP and I think you know at half time we were talking about the fact that nobody fears playing Celtic Colin Watt nobody fears this team and it's now at a stage and you know we've said it at various points we've spoken about tipping points Colin you were you were talking about it after the Ferenc Varos game you could talk about it throughout the season this unmitigated disaster of a season whatever the, the board of directors are doing at this moment in time in relation to a managerial review they just need to conclude it right now they need to conclude it whatever their plans are whatever their thoughts are conclude the review and remove him from office because that Celtic team there Anthony Haggerty I think made a really good point where he says he's no lost the dressing room the dressing room is lost and mm-hmm. that is that is a team that's lost they don't have a clue what the game plan is they don't know how to um, work under adversity they don't know how to defend a corner kick now we've seen it in the first half or any kind of set piece. We've seen it in the first half, Colin, you made the point. Two free headers in the box. Mm-hmm. They should have scored They should have scored from that. And then in the second half, they get a similar opportunity from a set piece. Lo and behold, they do score. Scott Brown, the illustrious captain, looks up to, to blame someone. And it's been like that all season. Who, who are we going to blame? <laughs> the, the blame game's over, Paul. The, the blame game's over. Every single one of them needs to take the responsibility for what happened tonight. There's no one player you can blame. Um, <laughs> I, I've got to um, continue what JP said. 
Um, it's a massive congratulations to Ross County. That's two wins over Celtic this season. And Yogi had his team set out extremely well this evening. Um, they knew exactly what they were doing. Every single one of them stuck to their job. Um, they played, they marked Celtic off at park. Yakaviti at centre-half was outstanding tonight. He made a mistake in the first half and then he made up for it in the second. Um, and I tell you what, we could still be playing at half nine tomorrow morning and we wouldn't have scored. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. But um, unfortunately, gentlemen, it is Groundhog Day once again. And you know what happens? You wake up tomorrow morning and nothing has changed. All you can well, hope for is that there's only, what, eight games left of the season now, I think? Yes. Eight games left. <laughs> Be thankful it's only eight. That's all we can say. We just the, the ball keeps rolling on. Well, we spoke at half time and we spoke about Diego Laxalt, the regression of that player. Anthony spoke about it. Um yeah, we were disappointed when Taylor went off. Yeah, he was quite involved in the second half, but I, I wouldn't let that mask the fact that, you know, his Celtic career has nosedived, it's fallen off the edge of a cliff. And for anyone actually who doesn't think that a player like Chris Ayer is AC Milan class. I just I just beg you, go and look at that player, Diego Laxalt, on the park tonight. Because the simplest of things in terms of crossing a ball is beyond him. And I know he comes from um, you know, really, really good stock and he's got this calibre about him, he's got a great reputation. But he's dreadful. He's dreadful. Most of the players on that part tonight were no better. So Colin made the point, Anthony, about the fact that we wake up and it's Groundhog Day tomorrow, it can't be. It simply cannot be. Because the club, as you say, they're looking at a situation where there's a dereliction of duty if they don't act. Particularly, and I keep saying it, when the season ticket renewals come in. Because I can see huge numbers of Celtic fans. And I'm not even going to call it holding the club to ransom. What I'll do is, I'll go back to what Kevin Graham said a couple of weeks ago. Celtic fans treating the club the, the way that they're treating us. All right, and I, I can see that happen. Without a doubt. That, see, if you're the board, this is the time when you act like a CFC supporter and not a PLC board, right? Be a CFC fan, not a PLC fan, and the manager has to go. If you care deeply about the club, the way JP, the way Colin, the way yourself and the way I care, then you have to remove the manager from office. You see, if you don't, it's a form of self-harm. Excuse the expression, but it is you're self-harming yourself because fans will not buy season tickets, and they're quite right, and they'd be quite right not to buy season tickets because if there's no value for money in a season that matter to everybody, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to get a refund either on that next season. They'll say roll up again and pay the the same kind of prices, you know, and they've cheated them appallingly and abysmally. It's back to what I said a few weeks ago. They've cheated them like customers. They've not treated the, the, the fans like fans or supporters. They've treated them like a customer base. Give us your money, give us your money. We, we won't give you anything in return this season. You know, we all had high hopes for this season. You know, and it's came crashing down round about your ears. And there's still two Rangers games to go, by the way. It could get worse. No any better, it could get worse. Right? So, I mean, if that's, if that's what they want... The, that legacy to be, then so be it. Good luck in selling season tickets. Because see, see every Celtic fan at this moment in time, they'd be right to turn and say, nah, we've had enough. And it's no case of bad week. You can accept losing the title. You can accept that. But they've not even challenged. They've not even put up a challenge for anything this season. Mm-hmm. And that is what's the most galling thing for the Celtic supporters right now. As I say, they're past the angry stage. We've been pointing this out at various points in the season. Flag, you know, red flags, Ferdinand Faros, Colin, see that. I would have said then as well. Aberdeen, the first Rangers game, no shots on target. How many times are they going to say, you know, what this guy can do? What's that? It's a flag. It's a flag. away. Times two. Yeah. Yeah. So how many times well, where's the line in it? The line in the sand is being drawn now. You have to act. Kaplan Mark used the word charade. Now I think that's a great word for where we are because I wasn't going to mention this, but after the Aberdeen game, the one nothing, the uninspiring game against Aberdeen, we got pelters from a few fans who were saying 
what what about talking about the positives? And all season we've had this attitude of why not talk about the positives? And it's like you know you mentioned earlier about propaganda and, and the fact that um, you know the Celtic view used to be called Pravda. If you're going to just try and pull the positives from this season, then you're part of the problem. You're you're buying into the charade. We can't do it because if you do then you're going to be asked to buy a season ticket to watch Lenny Ball next season again. And quite frankly, Lenny Ball, for me, is a manager who, as, as Anthony said there, his body language tonight once again, sitting there in the dugout with his feet up. Um, three or four times I counted him just throwing his arms up in frustration. Now, I look over there at any manager in any walk of life, and if that is the body language, how uninspiring is he? Because he's uninspiring to me as a fan. So if I'm a professional footballer, I'm going to feel even worse than that. Now, the thing is, people say it makes no difference. Whatever you do, it makes no difference. Well, I disagree with that. I, I totally disagree with that. If it made no difference, then why would there be any kind of level of engagement with any kind of supporters groups, any kind of podcasts by the club to try and, and build bridges? They know the power of the Celtic support. We just, we put the, the message out differently now than we did back in the 1990s when it was photocopied fanzines and guys standing in the rain outside the ground to get the message across. We do it differently now, but it's just as effective. And again, you know, you get criticised for putting that message out uh, on a mainstream channel. Listen, you've got to get the club to take notice of this. That chairman's statement the other, the other week there was laughable. It showed just how far removed they are, JP, from the Celtic support. What do you expect to happen now, JP, in relation to this? I would be expecting the most vocal uh, element of the, the fan base, i.e. the Green Brigade, um, to make their feelings known. That's what I would expect. But I don't think we can, as a Celtic support, rest on that. We can't just say, oh, it's all right, you know, Green Brigade will come out and say something and we agree with that. I think there needs to be some kind of unified message here. And if nothing happens, if Colin's fears are true and it's going to be Groundhog Day and we wake up tomorrow and we do the bulletin at 12.30 as we do, I may have another day off. JP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be interested to know I didn't look at it, but I'd be interested to know what the reaction was to Liverpool's home defeat yesterday to Everton. You know, was there some, was there sort of um, similar uh, Liverpool fan podcastings, uh, you know, all di- dissecting that performance and saying, you know, Klopp's got to go and all the rest of it. Now, I'm not- As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Comparing Neil Lennon and, and Jurgen Klopp. Uh, I'm sorry to bring up Jurgen Klopp, my. Uh, my uh, the pound shop, Jurgen Klopp. The, the, the doppelganger. It's your doppelganger. I think uh, I think I could be in the running for the Liverpool job uh, <laughs> shortly, going by their results. But no, I just wonder if there was if there has been the same level of uh, dissection and post mortem on on their result yesterday because that was a, a horrendous result for Liverpool yesterday. Let's not get away from it. First time uh, Everton had won there since 1999 in the league. Mm-hmm. Two years, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's wild. So you know, I mean you've got that going on down there. So. I don't think it, for anybody to say that we are being like overly negative at this, you know, it's it's not this isn't new. Um, it, you know, you look at 
one of the most frustrating things when a player is on the park and you know something doesn't go right for them, they kind of throw their arms up in the air and they're like, you know, and, and the, that's one of the most annoying things when you're at the game and you see a player do that, you're like, wait, just get on with the game. Don't don't worry about what's just happened. Get on with the game. So when you see the manager of your club doing that and throwing his arms up in the air and and just basically displaying despair at what he's seeing. You know he's he's responsible for the team on the pitch. He's just he picked that team, and every we all said that before the game tonight. Why is he not playing with two up front if he's playing that system? Mm-hmm. Why is he playing up front? And we, and then it showed you how many touches we've had in the box. Uh, it, just as Griffiths came on, it was like twenty three touches in the box versus Ross County's three or something like that. And the and Ian Crocker said, "Well, well, you know, Ogie Griffiths, if he'd got even a, a, a fraction of those touches in the box, he would have probably put one of them away." And he's right. And that's a commentator on Sky saying that. And we're just, you know, guys in our houses talking about this game and we're seeing it. And and yet, uh, and yet it still played out as it did. The point you made there in relation to being frustrated when you see players doing it, it annoys me. Greg Taylor's bad for it. He, he does it all the time. And what you're trying to do there as a player is you're trying to actually put that blame for the misplaced pass or someone not making the run that you expected them to make. You're trying to put the blame on somebody else. And that's exactly what Neil Lennon's doing. Every time he threw his arms up in despair today, it's basically, that's your fault. What's just happened there? The reason we've lost possession, that's your fault. And again, you look at your manager to be a leader. I don't see him leading anything. Now, again, we spoke at the beginning of the game and at half time. And by the way, if anybody does want to complain about the lack of positivity in the post match today, please list for me the positive signs that you saw today that you wish for us to discuss. And we will discuss it as part of the post match podcast. I can guarantee it. I'm struggling to find any. But I did speak to someone who played alongside Neil Lennon. Uh, I won't name him, but he did say that he was the exact same as a player in front of 60,000 at Celtic Park he would play the ball in front of you or he wouldn't make the run and he would throw his arms up and you know what the Celtic crowd were behind Neil Lennon every time and I think he's doing exactly same, the same there and I know there's no fans there but it's basically this isn't my fault it's your fault or it's somebody else's fault has Neil Lennon uh, Colin what has Neil Lennon taken responsibility at any point in this season personally has he ever came out after a game and said, the blame lies with me, I'm to blame, and he not thrown somebody else under the bus, be that his players, the government, or somebody else? Has it, has it happened this season? Because I can't recall it. No. Didn't answer, no. Um, and <laughs> trying to find the right words to say here, because, I mean, when that ball went in the back of the net, all you could do uh, tonight was laugh. You knew it was coming. Um, that's the kind of how our seasons went so far this season. That you just you knew as soon as they got a decent ball in from a, a cross ball, we were under threat. Um, and as I said at the start of the program, there's no one person you can blame for tonight. It was a team effort, and the team were terrible on the park. Um, we didn't look as if we were going to create anything. It, it was terrible team selection. Um, the fact that we know the one up front isn't working because we haven't got any width. So we try and play five central midfielders. It just doesn't work. Um, And for anyone to tell me that uh, the manager we've got in right now is qualified enough to take us forward in the position that we're in, they really don't know a lot about football. I mean, I see a lot of people coming out there saying, well, what's Eddie Howe done? What's this person done? What's that person done? Neil Lennon took a bolt inside to League One and he was basically showing the door at Hibs. You're telling me that's the standard of manager that you want in the Celtic job right now? And you wonder why we do so poor in Europe and why we're so far behind in the league this season? It comes from the man who sets the targets, the man who is responsible for everything that happens in the football department. Tony said it right at the start of the podcast. He's lost the dressing room, but this isn't a new thing. This has been going on for a long time. He goes on, and I think it was earlier this week, and he says... Um, there's mitigating circumstances that we can't discuss I think we all know what some of them are the fact that a lot of the players don't want to play for them and they're showing it when they're on the park that their thought isn't how can I progress at Celtic it's how can I progress out the door Now unusually um, when the uh 
post-match comes up when Neil Lennon gets interviewed I'm actually going to put it up because I don't want to miss it I want to hear what he's got to say and I'm going to put it up here so apologies in advance for anybody who can hear that happening in the background but um, it's impossible for me to know what he's going to say otherwise so I'm going to play that uh, but Tony just going on, on some of the things that Colin said there when Neil Lennon came out and said that there are mitigating circumstances but I'm not going to tell you what they are I'm, I'm sitting thinking to myself well why see it? It's deflection once again. No my fault. Mitigating circumstances, but you know what? We're going to keep them in house. Well, you actually just by virtue of saying that didn't keep it in house, Neil. Well, it's all about deflection. This is a man who insulted your football intelligence against Ferenc Varos, the thirty million pound gamble, and a one-off game at home, and played no recognised strikers. You try to get into the Champions League qualify, uh, League group, Champions League group stages. And he, he, he just he defied logic. Never played a recognised striker in a game at home against a bang average Hungarian team. You and I would have picked a better team that night. He would not have played Russian roulette with the Champions League as they do every other season because they're not tooled up and they're not prepared. But I tell you what, we could have picked a better team and they would have beat Ferdinand Faros. And this guy tells you that there's mitigating circumstances and throws everybody else under the bus. Don't insult me. I've been watching Celtic for, well, you say that the other week there, for four decades. In fact, five decades I've been watching Celtic. Mm -hmm. I like to think I've got a wee bit of a handle on it, and I kind of know maybe what I'm talking about and what I can see. I'm not saying I'm an expert, far from it. But my goodness, I wouldn't go into a game of that magnitude without playing a recognised striker. Then he turns around and says, ah, there's things happening here, but I'm not telling you. Don't insult me. Please, please, please don't insult all of us. You know, if there's things going on and you can talk your way out of that, be my guest, because there's 60,000 people that will certainly disagree for a start. The ones that pay their hand-earned to pay your wages and every other player that was on the park tonight who is masquerading in a jersey, as Colin says, they're playing for themselves because they're not playing for the manager and they're not playing for anybody else, they're playing for themselves, and because of that, the club's lost. The the club's lost from top to bottom, the club is lost. They're in a bit of a wilderness here. Go on, Colin. Tony, you are showing more passion in that couple-minute rant than (laughs) what I've seen from like half the players this season. But that's what I mean. It's terrible. As much as we do, then they would do the same. Right, so I can't get my head around it. Neil Lennon is smiling as he comes on. He can't get his head round it. We dominated the game. Unbelievable chances missed. Yep, they did. And we lost a goal from a set play. I mean, this it really is Groundhog Day. I mean, you could actually play an entire video very similar to the Charlie Nicholas I'm sitting here thinking, where he says, I'm bitterly disappointed. You could you could actually compile a video. It would maybe last about 28 minutes. Neil Lennon just saying, I'm bitterly disappointed. It's a difficult one to stomach. You're telling me. I'm hearing Delamitri. The needle returns to the start of the song and we all sing along like before. Great song. And we'll all be lonely tonight and lonely tomorrow. I tell you what, how us feel right now. If you are f- feeling lonely tomorrow, join us at twelve thirty for the Axon Bulletin. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going, I'm going to ask Kevin Graham to to host it tomorrow with, with Russell Boyce, the Monday Club. Um, JP, I mean, Colin made the point there about Anthony Haggerty showing more passion in his two minutes uh, there, the dialogue, I'm not going to call it a rant, than we've seen from certain players all season. When I see, for example, Neil Lennon coming out in a press conference after the Dubai fiasco, and that's not passion for me. That's not passion, it's arrogance. It's arrogance that everybody else is to blame. And again, it's a Groundhog Day thing. I've never once heard him saying, this is on me. Ferenc Varos, right, so he doesn't play a striker. He played the exact same side the following week in the league game. It's arrogance. He's patronising Celtic fans now. He needs to leave. What's your thoughts, JP? If you wake up tomorrow and you're, you're getting uh, kind of keyed up and G'd up, maybe not keyed up, for the, the Axon Bulletin. <laughs> it's, not that kind of, it's not that kind of bulletin. For the Axon Bulletin. <laughs> and, and he's still in charge. What are we going to talk about? Seriously. I don't live in Bathgate anymore, but <laughs> um, but no, I mean, yeah, it's 
listen, I, I, I think that uh, that would be a lot of those players' final ever trip to Dingwall. I've never been to Dingwall. Uh, I, I would love to have been there tonight in a normal world, but that's not to be. But I think that will be the last time a lot of those players go to Dingwall. Certainly be the last time that Neil Lennon goes there as a Celtic manager. Uh, might be the last time he goes there as a manager, full stop. Um, um, and I think we all, we're all aware of that. that, that it that, should that, be. What was that? It should be. Uh, it should be, yeah. But I think we're all aware of that. And uh, it was it was never more uh, prevalent than, than, than watching that game tonight because it was just so disjointed, so frustrating. But at the same time, he, he, despite the fact that we'd won the last five games, and won a lot of them comfortably as well. You just knew that we had another performance like that in us, and it was only a matter of time before we saw it again. And it's just, just horrible to watch. And yeah, I think I, I would be very, I know I'm going to say this tongue firmly in cheek, but I'd be very, very surprised if there's not something happening between now and tomorrow morning, or at least tomorrow morning. I mean, purely to goodness. Be prepared to be surprised, JP. Be prepared to be surprised. Colin, I'm going to ask you this question because, again, you know, certain things frustrate you in times like these that may not otherwise have frustrated you. And you start looking at everything. Every nuance of Celtic is being analysed uh, by us on a Celtic state of mind. And you would hope that, you know, going for um, a record 10th title in a row, it would have been all positive, but there's been very, very little positive about it. So when I'm looking at Lee Griffiths getting warmed up, you know, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, it must be 65 minutes on the clock. He's getting warmed up to come on. And as Tony says, Gavin Strachan, with that wee penny has that's on a, a, some kind of wire, and I don't know what he's doing on that touch pad thing, right? I really don't know what he's doing. But Lee Griffiths couldn't care less. In fact, he's not even looking no. at it. He's not even looking at it. He's pretending that he's putting tape on his socks or something, right? And the guy continues to speak, and you look at him thinking, you are, you're, you're anonymous. You're absolutely anonymous. So when the time comes tomorrow, Colin, when they're relieved of their duties, is it the entire coaching squad that's going to go? Because I can't see Gavin Strachan uh, making any blind bit of difference to this. I can't see John Kennedy. I think we just, we need to ship them out tomorrow. We need to ship them out tonight. Um, and, you know, if, we, if Lenny goes, they'll go. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, how many times has that been said? Like, Already this season, twelve. Like, there's been uh, at least there's there's been that many Mowbray moments that Mowbray moment isn't even a thing anymore. Um, <laughs> it's honestly it, like if the time has finally come, if the board eventually wakes up from this slumber that they seem to be in, and they eventually decide that they've made a decision and someone has to go, it has to be the whole three of them. It generally does have to be the whole three of them. They, they do have to go. As you said, um, Lee Griffiths looking at Gavin Strachan. Um, Gavin Strachan's now got a pen for his iPad, as you pointed out, a wee stylist thing. Um, that must have been part of his Christmas present because that wasn't there in the first half of the season. Um, they don't look interested. They're not interested. As Tony says, he's lost the dressing room. Nobody is going out there and putting 100% in for Neil Lennon anymore. It can't be said any other way. He's not getting the play, the performances out of the players. And if he was a coach or a manager with absolutely anything about him, he would find a way to do that. But tell me one player that has progressed in the last 18 months. There's not one. Not one at all. David Tumble. David Tumble was already Sorrow. at a level. Sorrow. And he's on the bench. Yeah. But that tells you everything you need to know. David Tumble, we already knew, was brilliant when he was at Motherwell. We tried to sign him the season before for that very reason. Sorrow it took him like over 12 months to get into the first team. If that's the way he's playing in the, the training, then you'd think automatically he's a first pick. Now, I've seen someone in the comment section saying, stop smiling, stop laughing. Look, mate, <laughs> this is the way this season took us. It's took JP to drink. <laughs> you want some sort of positivity? Here's a wee smile. Look, Monday comes round, this game's already moved on. There's eight there's eight games left to go in this season. If you're going to get a new coaching team in between now and the end of the season, it either has to be um, the team that are going to start again next year um, and start the rebuild now, 
or do you have to look at someone like I don't even know you maybe put in Fran Alonso for a game or two until you get the right man in if you've not got them already identified that at least that man's got a bit of a coaching experience the retro Celtic come in via Twitter to say Paul there is no chance they will go tomorrow can I make a point actually on John Collins's jacket right he's been on the BT Sports four times now he's worn the same jacket since Christmas and I, I was absolutely slated for my Matalan leather uh, full leather jacket I was called a pound shop Johnny Marr <laughs> And you've got John Collins still trying to sport this Timberland effort and it's not looking any better, Johnny boy. Now, Retro Celtic, Paul, there is no chance they, they will go tomorrow. Oh, uh, well, we'll what, get the on the jacket because even Jesus Christ couldn't save this club at this moment in time, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we could be on needing a miracle. No, beyond it. Let's think, let's think about this. Uh, what does the club do should they remove that managing management team who by the way are embarrassing this football club what do they do Well, who, who takes the reins would you say to somebody like Scott Brown don't play another game this season and just take this team and try and motivate them in some shape or form I'm just throwing that out there I'm not saying that's what will happen but if you bin them all then you have to turn to somebody mm-hmm. would that person not be your skipper well I'm thinking I'm thinking of a situation like this, Anthony. I'm thinking to, to previous occasions where we've been in disarray and we've um, sacked a manager. Even as far back as Liam Brady, you remember. Liam Brady gets sacked, Joe Jordan takes one game, he then leaves, and then you're up in arms. Frank Connor ends up taking a few games. He ends up an unbeaten Celtic manager before McCarry comes in. Now, I, I would be prepared obviously, uh, to, to just promote from within on an interim basis. I mean, you've got loads of staff there in relation to the fact that no football at Celtic under the first team has been played. Like Colin says, there's plenty of people being employed in coaching and managerial roles. And I'm at that stage now where there is a rot that has set in and, and it's a rot that's it's not going to go away until that management team is away. So what I'm thinking is, you know, it's all or nothing Tony. So you can't say, right, we'll keep John Kennedy, he'll steer the ship to the end of the season. I think that's just continuing the same problem. They don't trust John Kennedy. Bottom line, the board don't trust John Kennedy because if John Kennedy was worth his salt, we spoke about this on Friday, he would have stepped up to the plate. Or they would have said to him, you step up to the plate. John Kennedy learnt nothing from Brendan Rodgers and Chris Davis. Clearly learnt nothing. You know? So, they've obviously decided, ah, you're no management material, we can't trust you. So that's why John Kennedy's not been handed the reins at any time this season, because they don't trust him. And see on the point of the the other coaching staff that's there, I suppose it would give them something else to do as apart from being on that past the paradise, because they all seem to take rotating turns, to be honest, pundits on that. And if it meant getting Darren a day off commentary, that might be a sacrifice worth taking. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is a point. It's all about succession planning. And we spoke at the top of the show about the fact that since Mikel Lustig has left, or even when he was at the the club, and the amount of right-backs that were brought in, because I I gave a list, didn't I, Colin? And it was... Mm -hmm. Toll Yan, Maurice Boyer, Jeremy Frimpong, it goes on and on. Kenny is just the latest in a long line, which also probably includes Christian Gamboa, remember him, uh, and El Hamid as well. You then flip it over to the left-hand side since Tini's left, Ball and Golly, and then you've got Greg Taylor, you've got Laxalt. We just have no succession planning whatsoever. What happens if we need to remove the, the management team? What do we do? You know, there, there is no plan, there's no internal boot room, there's no promotional uh, kind of gateway for someone to, to then step up. To the point where Tony says, why not put Scott Brown? Doesn't it sound like a bad idea to me, JP? Uh, oh, I wonder what Scott Brown would think about that. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if he finds himself being suggested to be the manager of Celtic by tomorrow morning, uh, that'd be something uh, to wake up to, that's for sure. Um Jerry McCullough, <laughs> perhaps not. Uh, by the way, Tony, you've been liking to Jock Steen in the comments. <laughs> I, I have. <laughs> Somebody said Jock Steen bottom right there. Caught <laughs> 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 and Steen in the same Celtic podcast. Hey. Well, that, that, that's the ultimate compliment. I'm just going to right up. Hi, thanks a lot. Just playing. Scott Brown in charge of Celtic. I don't. I don't know if uh, uh, if I'm on board with that, but. Do you know what? It's just like we've, we've. It just feels like we've been we've been found out. You know, I feel like we've been found out. Uh, 
and getting away, getting away with it. You know, getting away with it since Brendan Rodgers left, and it feels like we've been found out. Just to JP, but you know that scattered on approach that if they all go, who, who comes in? You know, that's, that's you know, spin the ball. Mm-hmm. There is that spin the bottle moment because you're just like, well, there isn't anybody outstanding and obvious to, to, to take charge of the team. Um, I honestly don't know. I, I, I really don't know, but I, I think it's gone as far as it can possibly go with the current management team in place, that's for sure. I mean, it, it's just that, you know, you talk about rock bottoms, this is 100%, you know. Yeah, losing up there that's that's that. and the thing is you go back to like Rangers were away at Hamilton a couple of weeks ago right and they drew, they scraped a 1-1 they should have got beat they scraped a 1-1 and that was like that was with Hamilton scoring in the last seconds of the game but they were they were playing a team bottom of the league but the difference is they came away with a point but they also the difference is that they had so much credit in the bank before that game get away with a result like that We've got zero credit. We're in negative credit in terms of our, uh, uh, what we've got, what we got, what we had going into the game tonight. And yeah. well, Harry Houdini's mum comes in. I'm going to bring it up just to qualify the suggestion that, that Tony made. I don't see it as a suggestion that Scott Brown should be the manager of Celtic. What you're doing there is you're basically collating as many bodies as possible who might be able to actually lead this uh, Celtic side onto a part with a belief that they might win the game. I mean, that's all it comes down to. He certainly wouldn't be doing it on his own. We're, we're in Graham Murty territory here. We're in Graham Murray territory, right? This is like, right, who's who's coaching under 13s? Colin's talking about getting Fran Alonso in. Yeah, I'll take that one. I'll take that one first of all, because this is a person that said I'm, I'm, I shouldn't be smiling, so that one's for you, mate. Um, but no, honestly, see when you look at Fran Alonso's coaching career, it's actually far more impressive than what Neil Lennon's is. So it's not the worst shout to throw someone in like that for eight, for a couple of games until you get the right management squad. Because let's be honest, there's absolutely no chance that Celtic board have someone ready to take that job as soon as they get rid of Neil Lennon. You know they've not even started looking. I'm just looking at some of these similarities now. Um, not only do you look like the, the dairy milk man, or is it the milk tray man? Ronnie Cray. So we've got Ronnie Cray down the bottom right, Jurgen Klopp bottom left, uh, Leanne Dempster top left. Russell Boyce, you should you call me the milk cray man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what, Ronnie Cray, when they put up with that nonsense, it's at Celtic Park at a minute. Um, well, that's very true, very true. Even now, Remember, and again, it doesn't matter what you say, you're going to be ridiculed. I remember when Kevin Graham put me on the spot and my tipping point, as I keep saying, was half-time at Pataudry in the 3-H game when even when we got our noses in front, we couldn't keep their noses there. You know, we still chucked it and it was a 3-3 game and I'd had enough by that stage. And I think the writing was on the wall. Um, I think it came a wee bit later for Jim Orr against Hibs 2-2. Ferenc Varos was Collins. Everybody have their own moment where they finally snap, unless obviously you're not part of the Axom cult and you still think Neil Lennon's a man to lead this side forward. Now, when you're looking at that, I suggested when Kevin put me on the spot remember I said Roberto Martinez and Sean Maloney and you know people guffawed just as Tony did there um, but what <laughs> was it not you Tony <laughs> I was Colin because Colin laughs at me on a regular basis uh, but what I was trying to say there was you go out and you get the, the best qualified manager for the job that's what I was trying to say you then look at the actual salary of that man you compare it to Neil Lennon, and by the way, Neil Lennon first time round, the first time he got the job at Celtic, his annual salary was three hundred grand a year. It's now one point five million quid, and that's that's just fact. That's what his wages are now. With one point five million pound a year, you can get a pretty decent manager, right? Now, I did an interview, and it wasn't a job interview with Mark Hughes and Mark Bowen. I think you remember it. Mark Hughes and Mark Bowen would come up to Celtic Park tomorrow. They'd come up to Celtic Park on an interim basis tomorrow. And I'll tell you what, we'd see a much better Celtic side than what we're looking at at the moment. So, you know, we, we hear managerial teams, we hear managerial names. Most of the names I'm hearing would do a better job than the managerial team that's in, in position at this moment in time. Most of, the, most of the names that I'm seeing would do a far, far better job. So, Tony, apologies, I thought it was you that was laughing. I, you know, I'm never sure who's laughing, it could be all three years. Um, but yeah, the Martinez shout certainly got... 
uh, a lot of people laughing. But we're we're paying a huge salary to a manager at the moment, and there's loads of loads of managerial managerial candidates out there who would take this job, and they would come in on an interim basis. See, the most important thing we do in the close season, we throw money at a new manager. That's that's the biggest thing we're going to have to spend money on. Never mind the players. We need structure. We need a culture at this club because there's something wrong in the state of Denmark and it has to be cleared out, right, completely and utterly from top to bottom. So a, a majority of our money should be spent on recruiting the right manager and you go as high as you can. If you've to go to Martinez and you go to Maloney, then go to them. If you've to go to Ralph Rand, you go to them. If you go to Eddie Howe, go to them. And I don't want any snobbery about Celtic supporters saying, oh, they're no class, they're no this. Because I tell you what, they'll be 10 times better than what's been served up right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe even more than 10 times. So take your choice. Would you rather watch what you're watching now or would you rather give one of the guys who we've just mentioned there, Ralph Rani and Eddie Howe or uh, Sean Maloney and Roberto Martinez? So I know what I'd want. I'd take any of those three in a heartbeat right now. And also I would take Mark Hughes and, and Bowen even to come up for an interim basis and have a wee... Uh, uh, advertise himself for the job, no we interview on the job, you know, and see what happens. What is there left to lose? What is there left to lose this season? There's absolutely nothing left to lose. I mean, what you have got to lose potentially as a board is these um, renewals that are coming up. The renewal window will be opening really, really soon. I mean, we saw it last year, I think it was what, the beginning of March that the renewals went out. Um, And as everyone knows, the clubs need the money more than ever because they're not getting the fans in the stadium. And to treat the fans the way they're treating them, it's, it's, going, to ha- it's going to be, and I can just picture it now, literally a couple of days before the renewals come out, something happens. And I don't think it's yet. And that's why I still think that when you look at the next game, I don't even know who we're playing in the next game. That's how far away from Celtic I feel this season. Sure. Neil Lennon will still be in charge. See, that's a big thing as well. I just took a, a sharp intake of breath there, so apologies. But that is a big thing, Colin, um, in that every single step of the way, we've covered it on this show. Every step of the way. And that's going to continue. But I've seen a lot of comments coming in. People are saying, I can barely watch this. If this is what we're going to be served up for another eight games, because it's unlikely that the Scottish Cup's going to be played, and I think we're all resigned to that fact this season. If that's what we're going to be served up, Fans are coming and saying they're not even going to watch it, JP. Now, that's unthinkable for me because our watches through hail, rain or snow, it doesn't matter to me in that respect. What matters to me is that we make the changes required. We'll cover every single game because we made a promise at the start of this season and that's going to continue even when we get back to the grounds. I'm not sure how it's going to continue. We might send Colin in, in a wee camper van or something <laughs> with a satellite on the roof. I'm not sure. But we'll definitely cover all the games and we'll, we'll do it to the end of the season. But it is becoming almost unbearable to watch. JP. It is, it is, and just to address the, the the people that are saying, oh, stop smiling and stop laughing and things like that, you know, like uh, Kev Graham and I have, have spoken about this uh, off off camera and, and, and text and stuff like that, basically saying that there's there's bigger things going on here in people's lives than, than football. And maybe a year ago, um, if you'd asked, uh, maybe a, a year ago, my reaction to this and my demeanour would be different. But, you know, there's, there's there's far bigger... I mean, I love Celtic. Celtic's been a huge part of my life since I was eight years old. Um, and then becoming a season ticket holder when I was 18 uh, for 10 years. And then I had my... Uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, my sort of moment, time in the shadows uh, when I was out of Celtic Park for a couple of years. But I got one back 2013 and I've been a season ticket holder ever, ever since. So... And I, and I love going to the away games as well. I love going to European trips. So, you know, me having a smile on my face talking about this is, is not is not because I'm putting it on or anything like that. It's because, you know, the world is in a, a state of flux right now and Celtic is a very small part of that and I appreciate that. I get that some people will probably think, oh God, it's, it's my entire life and this is a nightmare and you know Rangers are going to win the league and stop 10 in a row and everything else. And yeah, that's, it hurts and don't, we would far rather be in a position where we're on top and you know we're, we're, we're keeping on going. But um, I just wanted to say that just because it, it annoys me that I would be questioned at all for you know having any sort of devotion to Celtic. But with regards to still watching Celtic, 
Watching Celtic right now is horrible on two counts because I'm not at the games and we're playing really badly and we're in a period where it won't be remembered fondly. But I'll still watch Celtic, like you said, hail, rain or shine. There was a great point last week and it was made and, and Anthony was here speaking about the fact that you know it doesn't matter how much money you invest. It doesn't matter how many away games you go to. If you're a Celtic fan, you're a Celtic fan, Tony. And you made that point. And as I say, I enjoyed a couple of the episodes last week whereby I'm watching it as a Celtic fan and I'm sitting there nodding along and, and listening to you guys and disagreeing and agreeing and that's what it's all about. But, you know, there's no kind of hierarchy when it comes to supporting Celtic. I mean, for example, you could be like, when I first got a season ticket, my first season ticket was 95 quid and I paid for that through two paper rounds that I did. You know, and I saved my money up because that, and by the way, 95 quid was a lot of money to me at that point because I was making uh, 12 quid, 12 quid a week doing paper runs, you know, so I had to save that up. So then these people, there's a lot of people who then get to the stage where they've got a very successful business and they can afford maybe to buy something or invest something a wee bit more. Uh, And, you know, for me, they're not any better or any worse Celtic supporters. And as JP says, I know loads of Celtic fans who have been season ticket holders for decades, but something happens in their personal life and they can't afford that. You know, and they have to put that to the side for sometimes several years. And sometimes it takes someone else in their family to get them back into it. But, you know, you're not going to turn your nose up at them because they've not been at the ground for five years. I said on Friday, see if you're a Celtic supporter, it's in your DNA. It doesn't matter how much money you put into the club, right? Because you've decided that's going to be your emotional investment for life. Now, you can be a season ticket holder or you can just be an armchair fan or whatever, but that's your team. That's your club. So don't tell me that any Celtic supporters are not affected by this or the ones that are season ticket holders are affected more. You know, people work abroad and can't get to games, but it doesn't mean they don't love their club. Once you choose your club, that's it. <laughs> you know, that is it, right? There is no going back. And I've said before as well, you can only support one team. People that say, oh, I support Barcelona. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't get upset if, with Lionel Messi doesn't turn it on. It doesn't get to you the way tonight does, you know. And we're trying to smile through the tears here. Wouldn't you want us to sit here and cry? You know what I mean? You try to be positive, but you can't be positive about any aspect of Celtic at this moment in time, you know. So, see, oh, why are you laughing? Well, no, I'm laughing. Look at us. We're just dissecting the current state of the club, and it's in a state, you know. And then they're saying, oh, oh stop laughing. We're laughing at bits of humour that we're trying to interject to keep our spirits up, to keep us going as we limp on these eight games. Don't tell me that somebody's any more of a Celtic supporter than the four guys sitting here. Because they're talking absolute Jackson Pollocks. <laughs> <laughs> nice wee stone roses reference there. Tony, I'll tell you, you know, you think about laughing. Some of the funniest moments in my life have been on a Celtic supporters bus or at a game. And you, or even in, in a pub before the game and you overhear something or someone says and it's that humour and it doesn't you remember the photographs appearing of the guy lying across three or four seats sleeping remember because the football was so so bad and, and it became a meme and it was funny £95 for a pie in a programme these days I, someone was just saying and I'm not sure who it is because it was on Facebook that it was my best job I was a tremendous paper boy so <laughs> maybe it was I was one of your maybe you were one of my customers but um, it was that old that whole thing the, the whole P. Diddy thing whereby I knew I had to save enough money so I asked him how many paper rounds you got give me them all because I had to get as much money as I could to go and watch Celtic and then walk a couple of villages down the road to get the Celtic supporters bus and that's what it was all about and that's all the money I had in the world went to Celtic Well John I'll give you an example right? there's a guy I wrote about in the book that I write, a guy called Sandro like Sandro oh here comes a plug yeah, <laughs> he was a big AC Milan fan right and he loved, and his, his hero was Rude Hulot, right? So there was Hulot, Van Basten, and Rijkaard at that time. They were sweeping everybody in Europe. But my dad knew him because my dad used to deliver pies, black pudding, sausages to chip shops in Glasgow. So Sandra was a friar. So I said to my dad, Look, Celtic's my Scottish team. I'm going to get a season ticket. He says, Can I, can I get a season ticket and come along with you? We're like, Aye, fine. So 1989 was the season, 8889, right? 125 quid, main stand. Celtic were rank, rotten, right? Absolutely stinking. And Sandro said an expression, as you say, thought about laughing, that we still use to this day. Celtic lost to Dundee 3-2. They were 2-0 up and lost to Dundee 3-2. 
and Sandro's like apoplectic and he speaks like Gino De Campo and he's running down the stairs and running towards us and he's like, that's a no football, that's a garbage, a garbage. <laughs> and the whole place stopped and we're looking at this guy and his tomato face was going red. And he's like, that's a garbage, a garbage. And then he took us to the, up to his club in Muirhead to watch the European Cup final, 89, and AC Milan pumped Stoyer Bucharest and he's like to me and my dad, that's a football, that's a football. Right, and you talk about, I mean, me and my dad still say that. My dad will phone me the night or text me, that's a no football, that's a garbage. Right, he's dead now, be Sandro. You know what I mean? But we still say it. And it's amazing, as you say, just things like that. You know, just, it's, it's true, you just get the biggest laughs at the football ever. So even through the down times, you've got to keep your sense of humour and hope that things get better. You know, hope. Now, there was a, a comment coming in, Anthony. Someone had kindly typed out a quote from the post-match. Uh, basically, I'm going to paraphrase because I can't actually find it. Here we go. It's quite a long one. There needs to be a rebuild in the summer. Am I the man to do that? I don't see why not. I've done it before. I carry on as normal until I'm told otherwise. I love this club and I love this job. That's Neil Lennon after the game today. Uh, he's done it before. When did, when did Neil Lennon rebuild the club? He's never rebuilt the club. He took over uh, a side that was low in confidence after a poor season under Tony Mowbray. You know, he didn't rebuild the club. The club's in a far worse state than now than it was back then. And and by the way, you're talking about the Tony Mowbray moment. Someone else pointed out, Neil Lennon's had three Ross County moments now. Three Ross County moments. Two of this season. And, and for him to come out and still be so deluded that he thinks he's the man to lead this club forward... I find that quite frightening. That's scary. Uh, because it gets to that point as well where you ask yourself, because I've seen this said so many times across so many different platforms about just go now and, and go a legend. I think he's actually, his legacy now is in doubt. I think the longer he stays here, um, he's tarnishing that legacy. Uh, result mm-hmm. by result. JP, what's your thoughts? I know you watched him um, as a season ticket holder like the rest of us and uh, you watched him with pride as a player. We've seen him, you know, achieving some great things as a manager as well. But, you know, the, the time is now. The time is now. We can't delay this any longer. Yeah, with every with every passing game and, and you know, comments like that coming out, I mean, it, it's kind of blind optimism really on his part to think that he can... Uh, do the job that's required here because it's not. Let's not mix our words up here. It is a huge job. Like, like you said, the spice. Shut up, your face. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a massive job, and you've you've compared what we have coming up in the summer to what we had coming up in the year two thousand when fans and police left and I don't think that's wide of the mark you know I, I, I think that's it's it's maybe maybe worse than then and and you know because there was no Henrik Larson uh, that was going to hang about for another six five five years or whatever it was because Edward's going to be away in the summer and I'm not comparing Edward to Larson by the way because Larson is head and shoulders above French Eddie and the player that French Eddie will ever be um, uh, but yeah I, I think it's it's hard for me because I, I I I've made it quite clear I, I do love Neil Lennon and and I, and I hate seeing him in this situation and it's it's kind of like seeing someone that you've known a long well, I have known him a long time you know all my all half my life I've known of Neil Lennon and you know his association with Celtic but you know it's a job at the end of the day it's a job and he's not doing it well therefore a player, a person who's not doing a job well normally leaves that job. And regardless of what they've done before in that in that company, they leave and they move to another company, or they don't they don't stay in the same uh, stay in the same job. But you know, I think it's just it just needs to be looked at like that, and and the sentimentality and emotion needs to be removed from it. And there you go, sentimentality is killed ten in a row. Yeah, massively. Just exactly what you're saying. You get to a point where, and Paul, you were saying it. He, he was a, a legend as a player. Some still see him as a legend, as a manager for what he's done in his first term. But ultimately, football's a results-based business. And when you look at the results this season, there's no space for sentimentality. Because how long do you let that continue to foster? Do you let that go on and try and let him rebuild again? 
And then what happens? You can't let sentimentality be the reason why you've still got a manager in charge. If that's the reason you've got a manager in charge, that's when you know you're in trouble. If your only excuse is sentimentality. The trust and the faith's gone, hasn't it? Completely and utterly. You wouldn't trust Neil Lennon to rebuild this team. No. Nah. Nah. You, you clearly thinks you can go in, and we spoke about this off air, Paul, about that you can charm the board and say, eh, there's been reasons for this, give me another crack at it. And your biggest worry is that he charms them and they say to him, all right, you know what I mean? That's, your, that, that's an even bigger concern. Because if the board were acting like a board, they would just say, no, this is it, it has to end. Take sentiment out of it. Just take reality into it. You've just lost to Ross County for the second time this season. Right, you're miles behind Rangers. It's just it's a reality check now. They need no sentimentality check or a man being either deluded or arrogant, telling you he's still the guy to do this and turn it round. You just need to take. You need to be realists, no idealists, and say, right, do you know what? This is it. We've come to the end of the road. You know, legend is a legend. Was that? Boys to men. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was thinking. That's the first thing that came in my head. A wee musical interlude there. I'll see if I can edit that in for the audio version. But that's where we're at. That's exactly where we're at. Sentiment does not come into this. Reality. I, no, you're right. And what I need to say, uh, we're going we're to wrap this up, but we, uh, as a Celtic state of mind, we go out, as, as I've been saying before, every day, but every so often the, the figures go a- absolutely off the scale, and I think Colin can see the figures as well. But mm-hmm. across all the platforms tonight, we, we've consistently been over 5,000. So people are you know coming in because they want answers. They're coming in to, to vent. They're coming in to discuss. Uh, and every single one of you, well, almost every single one of you, Colin. Uh, thank you very Hi. much for for getting involved because that kind of that kind of audience is is astonishing. And I just think that you know, as a Celtic fan base, uh, we, we can disagree, but let's not fall out about it. Um, we don't have an agenda against Neil Lennon. We're frustrated. We're hurting every single time we put in a performance like that this evening. I mean, you're looking at some of the players for Celtic. Could a new manager do to some of the players what Martin O'Neill did for Stan Petrov? 100%. You know, there's enough players in there, there's enough talent in there, supplemented and complemented by some new players coming in, uh, getting rid of some of the dead wood. But that process should have already started. And, and the process can only start really uh, with the departure of Neil Lennon. But um, I, I have loved it coming back into the hot seat tonight. Um, I might or might not return tomorrow, depending on what the update is. But Kevin Graham and Russell Boyce will certainly be on the Axon Bulletin. Uh, all that's left for me to say is Colin Watt. JP Mason uh, and Anthony Haggerty I have enjoyed that immensely thanks for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Sp- 
Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.